just like to welcome everyone who's joining us today for our, our uh, live stream here. Uh, this is one part of our service at City Temple with Chelsea Community Church. You can be part of the whole thing by dropping us an email, uh, or you can just join us on Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. If you have your Bible with you, we're going to look at two places. First of all, we're going to go to John chapter 4, and then to John chapter 14. If uh, you want some of the notes, uh, just stick your hand up as we pass those around. Before we read, let's pray. Gracious God, thank you so much for the Bible. I thank you that it is trustworthy and true. And I thank you that it is an accurate account of Jesus in his life and his times so that we can read it and know it and believe it. I pray now by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you'd open it up to us. And I pray, Lord God, that your Holy Spirit would rest on me, that I can bring your word to your people this day through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We pick up in John chapter 4 with verse 46. So Jesus came again to Cana in Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And at Capernaum, there was an official whose son was ill. When this man heard that Jesus had come from Judea to Galilee, he went to him and asked him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. So Jesus said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. The official said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go, your son will live. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. As he was going down, his servants met him and told him that his son was recovering. So he asked them the hour when he began to get better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. The father knew that was the hour when Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And he himself believed and all his household. This was now the second sign that Jesus did when he had come from Judea to Galilee. Then we go to John chapter 14. This is part of Jesus's final night with his disciples, the night before he would be crucified. And he says this, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also and you know the way to where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would all have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it's enough for us. 
Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I don't know if you've been following the news story around Matt Hancock and his leaked WhatsApp messages all around uh, the whole lockdown and, and, and all of that. I have intentionally avoided reading anything because I'm kind of sick to death of it all, right? I, maybe nobody else feels that way, but, uh, but I'm kind of tired of all of it. Uh, oh, it just, uh, just kind of gets old after a while. But, you know, we're, we're trying to have uh, a, a study, uh, an investigation to learn from the pandemic. Now, unlike the, Swe the, the Swedes and unlike the French who have already completed their investigations, ours should be done just in time for the next pandemic to be over. But uh, we'll get there eventually, you know, we'll get there uh, eventually. And uh, so, you know, the question is, you know, what do we learn from the pandemic? And I think one of the big lessons that I take from the pandemic, and we can all learn from the pandemic, is who do you follow, right? Because all throughout the pandemic, we were told, follow the science. You know, we're just following the science. Who do you follow? Because everybody follows someone or something. Everyone does. The question is not whether or not you follow, because you do follow. The question is who or what you follow. Because who or what you follow has consequences. Who or what you follow can get you into trouble. Like following a sat-nav. How many stories have there been of people who are just following their sat-nav only to drive off a pier into a lake or the ocean? That's happened. Or people, trucker, uh, truckers or, or lorry drivers following their sat-nav and they get their lorry down a little uh, country road that they can't fit and they can't get out of. You know, who do you follow? Who you follow has consequences. So you better make sure that whoever you're following is worthy to be followed. You need to make sure who is the right person to follow. So let's ask the question, who do you follow? Who do you follow? Do you follow the science? Well, if we've learned anything from the pandemic, you've learned that the science is easily bought and politicized. We now know that there were many scientists who believed that COVID leaked from a lab in Wuhan, China, who refused to say that because they didn't want to jeopardize their funding. They didn't want to jeopardize their scientific relationships. Uh, they didn't want to jeopardize their ability to do experiments on dangerous viruses in the future. And so they dismissed it. They weren't following the facts. They said, we're doing the science. 
COVID now was likely a lab leak, but how many people were not saying that? And many people didn't follow that because the, one of the first people to say it publicly was Donald Trump. You know, so there was a lot of people who said, well, I don't know if it was a lab leak or not, but I'm not following that guy. So, you know, I'm not going to do that. You know, there's no such thing as pure science, by the way. Science is simply human interpretation of the data of the universe, which is always limited and is often wrong. So, okay, so we can't follow the science. So maybe, maybe follow the government. Maybe we follow the government. Well, if we've learned nothing else from the COVID pandemic, we've learned how foolish and chaotic government can be. So, but we say, okay, but we can still, we can follow Republican democracy, you know, like we have in the United Kingdom, like Scotland has, like the United States has. But if you look at the US, the UK and Scotland, they show us how dysfunctional uh, Republican democracy can become, especially if there's no national identity or no sense of unity. Well, then how about follow the dictator? Now that might not that not might not be as ludicrous as it initially sounds, you know. Back in uh, after World War II, there was a dictatorship called Yugoslavia, and the dictator was known as Uncle Tito. And still today, our friends who lived during the reign of Uncle Tito look back on it fondly. You know, they say, "Hey, we couldn't have afforded a bottle of Coke, but everybody had a house." Everybody had a job. Everybody was educated. There was no pornography. There was not a lot of these societal ills. And so they look back and say, that was kind of, well, that's okay. In fact, I had an elder that used to say that a benevolent dictatorship is the most efficient form of government. And you could kind of see that with Yugoslavia, with, you, with, with Uncle Tito. But the problem with these benevolent dictators is that they die. And we've seen what happens when they die, because we saw it in the, uh, the Yugoslavian wars back in the 1990s, and the massacres in places like Srebrenica. So maybe that's not what we should do. And by the way, we just see how bad that is today with Kim Jong-un, with Putin, with Xi Jinping. You know, they all reveal what happens with dictators. So, okay. Well, maybe if we can't follow the government, we can't follow the science, well, I can follow myself, you know? I can follow myself, I'll lead myself. The percent of people who say, I have no religion, suggests that many people in our society are doing this. In fact, a lot of people probably are following themselves. But is that wise? Why is it that we have an explosion today of mental health issues? depression, suicide, self-harm, anxiety, panic attacks. And this is not because they were hidden in the past. Yes, these things have always existed, but something is afoot. All these people following themselves. And we've also seen how people, people in government, everybody, how easily people are manipulated. We're manipulated by advertising, by propaganda by the algorithms of social media, and we're manipulated by our own cognitive biases. These things that make our minds naturally do things that are kind of dumb. 
And there's over a hundred of them recorded right now. So maybe we don't follow ourselves. Oh, well, okay. If we can't follow ourselves, then maybe we follow our chosen leader, whoever they might be. Maybe we pick out an influencer on social media and we follow them. Click that little button and follow them. Christian or otherwise, famous or unknown. But as we're seeing now, they will all fail you. It's like the blind leading the blind. If we can't follow ourselves, can we follow somebody else who's following themselves? That's kind of silly. Well, how about following our movement? Let's get behind a movement, you know? Maybe we'll get in with Extinction Rebellion or Just Stop Oil. Uh, or, hey, how about the Occupy movement? Let's go, wait, do you even remember it now? What good did it achieve? Arguably nothing. Has there been any real lasting improvements in our world because of these movements? There's been a few that have helped over the centuries. But maybe following our movement isn't the right thing. How about following your favorite ism? Because there's lots of isms in the world, you know, like communism. Let's, well, okay, maybe not communism because you look at the old Soviet Union, you see what happened to it and you see what, what's happening now. Maybe that's not communism. Uh, okay, how about socialism? It's, it's really, you know, everybody's favorite day, socialism. Let's be socialist. Well, you know, the NHS is the most socialist organization that we have in our society. And there's nobody that I hear that says the NHS is totally successful and is doing everything it should do. In fact, most people are saying that the NHS is failing and it's gonna to have to be dealt with differently. Okay, how about capitalism? Okay, this is a lot of our favorite isms because it often leads to money in our pocket. We know capitalism, but you know, frankly, capitalism is not functioning now. What's going on now is not true capitalism. It certainly stopped after the 2008 Great Recession when society started printing money. If you start printing money, you start artificially inflating uh, your equities, and then you artificially inflate your equities, and eventually your prices start going up. Oh, wait, that's happening, isn't it? So, you know, maybe capitalism is not really the way to go. In fact, capitalism itself was contaminated by consumerism back in the 1980s. The consumerist mentality didn't really exist in the same way then as it does now. So maybe the capitalism is not the thing. So these isms, maybe they don't work. How about follow the marketplace? You know, follow business leaders and corporations. You have a lot of people who followed Steve, Steve Jobs, Steve Jobs. Uh, you know, maybe follow one of these guys. Uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe follow uh, uh, the the Microsoft guy, Bill Gates. Let's go after Bill Gates. You know, and become Gateites or something. Like, I don't know what we call us, ourselves. Uh, no, you know, all of these guys. It's all about profit. And we've seen how many companies quickly abandon their morals when their profits are jeopardized. can't be that. Okay, well then we should follow our church. Follow our denomination. You know, something like the Church of England. 
or the United Reformed Church. Let's follow them. Oh, wait. Maybe not. Because they all are human, sinful institutions like any other. And we've seen it. We've seen it in the brokenness and the problems, the hiding of abuse and other things. Who do you follow? That's the question. That's the question. Because you follow someone. All these things I've mentioned are subject to human sinfulness and brokenness. All these things I've mentioned are easily blown around and distorted by the spirit of the age. All these things are manipulated by demonic principalities and powers, spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places, according to Paul, and adaptive deceptions where they, they like to worm their way into our society and our thinking without us realizing they are there. All these things are human, they're broken, and they're transitory. But Jesus never changes. And Jesus today answers the question, who do you follow? And he makes a claim that is utterly startling. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. That's Jesus' claim. That's Jesus' claim. He says, I am thee. That means he in himself, he's being definitive here. It's thee. It's not one of. It's not I'm a way, a truth, a life. I'm the way, truth, and life. It's I am the way, the truth, and the life. Intentionally definitive. The present reality that determines the future. The word of God made flesh. Jesus saying, I am the, he says, I am the way. It means he is the mediator between God and people. He's not leading us along the way. He's not leading us along a way. He is himself the way, he's saying. He is the pathway along which we live. The earlier followers, the earliest followers of Jesus were known as the way the people of the way. And that's the claim that he is making here. He also says, I am the truth. I am the truth. This means he is the mediator of God's revelation and God's world. It's through Jesus that we come to understand what the world is really like. It's through Jesus that we come to understand who God is. He himself is the revelation of the absolute truth about God's nature, God's idea of humanity, and the reality of God's view of the world. That's Jesus' claim. That's not my claim. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples very clearly. And then he goes on and he says, I am the life. This means that he is the one who is the mediator of salvation, which is life in God that starts now and lasts into eternity. He himself is the embodiment of how to live a life pleasing to God. 
This is what he says. These are his words about himself. And then he goes a little bit more startling. If that's not startling enough, he goes a little bit further in that. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. He says, no one gets to God except through me. No one. He didn't say no Jew. He says, no one. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the way to the Father. He's the way to the Father's house, where Father has many rooms. He's the way to the Father's blessings in our lives. He's the way to experience the Father, our God, in the present. He's saying here, if you don't know Jesus, then you don't know God. And these are his words, not my words. And these are what he means by these words. It's not just an opinion. The text here is very clear. It doesn't use any complicated words. The in the Greek means the. Way in the Greek means way. There's not a lot of mysticism about it. Truth in the Greek means truth. Not a lot of mysticism about that. Life in the Greek means life. Zoe knows about this because it's her name. So that's pretty startling. Jesus says, the answer to the question, who do you follow? Jesus says, is me, Jesus. Well, like I said, everybody can make a claim like this, right? Anybody can do it. I could come up to you and say, hey, guys, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Follow me. But we need to ask, how did Jesus show that he could make such a claim? How is he proving it? Well, today we saw how he proves that he can make such a claim by healing the official son. And so they, they come back uh, to Cana in Galilee. Obviously, the man comes up from Capernaum to Cana, maybe hears that Jesus is around, or maybe has gone to find medical help for his son. Uh, we don't know. But uh, that's about 20 miles. So it's a pretty good distance before cars and, and uh, uh, popular camels and all those kinds of things. Uh, so, uh, and so the man, obviously, he goes to Jesus with the hope that Jesus would follow him and heal the son. And Jesus says, oh, man, he's given a clue here. He does this all the time with his followers. He's given a clue. He says, you know, unless you look for a sign, you won't believe. So he's trying to coax the man to have a greater degree of faith here and realize it's Jesus and that Jesus doesn't need to go 20 miles to heal somebody. He can just speak a word. And the man doesn't quite get it, uh, but he says, come on, unless you come down, Jesus, my son's going to die. And so Jesus, you know, Jesus says, well, I'm not going to follow you. You need to follow me. So do this, go, and your son will live. And immediately, the man believed the word and obeyed. He turned around. And his belief was so strong. Notice when he encounters his servants, it's the next day. So if the man was panicked at this stage, maybe he would have tried to run those 20 miles home to get back to see how his kid was doing. But he believed the word. Okay, my son's going to live. And he spent the night maybe with friends. He gets his greeted by the servants the next day. He says, hey, what time? 
uh, where was he healed? They said about the seventh hour. And he remembered that's exactly the moment that Jesus said he was going to be healed. And so the man and his whole family believed because they recognized this was a sign. And by the way, since his whole household, that would have meant his employees, uh, the servants working with him, everybody associated with man, this man started to follow Jesus Christ. So Jesus has demonstrated time after time and sign after sign, and, uh, and John only records a few of them, he says. He has demonstrated clearly that he is the one who can make the claim, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And if you think that somebody else is the way, the truth, or the life, just ask them to raise somebody who's been dead for four days, to heal somebody who was born blind, to heal someone who had been disabled for 38 years, lying next to a pool, to feed 5,000 people with a couple of fish and some loaves of bread. And if they do all of those things, and then, hey, maybe die on the cross and rise from the dead on the third day, just like they said they would do, maybe you can trust them. But unless they produce proof, I can tell you I'm not going to follow somebody else. Who do you follow? Who do you follow? And then what does Jesus require of us regarding his claim to be the way, the truth, and the life? Because as we've said throughout, truth makes demands on us. If you know the truth, you have to do something about it. You'll either walk away from it or you accept it. You either embrace it as part of your life or you reject it. But understand that you're doing that. When it comes to truth, it demands a response. And Jesus, as the truth, certainly demands our response. In fact, he requires it in what he says. He doesn't say, oh, guys, you know, I'm the way, the truth, and life. I hope you'll trust me in this, but that's the way I am. No, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me, and you got to do something about it. What do we have to do according to Jesus? Well, he said at the, at the top of the passage, believe in God and believe also in me. Jesus doing that is equating himself to, as God. Don't mistake it. And he says, you believe in God, then you believe in me. If you don't believe in me, you don't really believe in God, at least as God is. Believe in God, believe also in me. You need to believe that Jesus is who he said he is. You can't say, well, Jesus, I believe in you, but I don't believe what you said. That's what we call an oxymoron. You got to believe Jesus who he said he is. You need to believe in Jesus' promise that in his father's house there are many rooms and that he is preparing a place for us as a bridegroom prepares a place for a bride. That's the, that's the illustration that Jesus is giving here. Believe that you have a future in him. 
You need to believe according to Jesus that if you know Jesus, then you know the Father. He says clearly, whoever's seen him has seen the Father. We need to believe that Jesus is in the Father and the Father is in Jesus who is doing his works in Jesus. We need to believe in Jesus on the basis both of what he says and what he does. Jesus is not asking us to believe him without proof that he's worthy of our belief. Jesus is not asking us just to take it on his word that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is making these claims. He's making these demands and saying, listen, guys, you can trust me because look what I've been doing. And he says, listen, guys, you can trust me because I'm going to die, but three days later, I'll be alive. I'll be raised from the dead. Now, there's some caveats here. And what Jesus is saying, it's very important to understand. You cannot follow Jesus partially. There's no halfway. There's no part-time discipleship. Jesus said in Luke chapter 9, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Every single day we have to say, Jesus, I'm following you. It's not part-time. It's not Sunday only. It's every day and every part of our lives. A second caveat that we need to acknowledge is that we cannot follow Jesus alone or in isolation. You only do it in community. As he'd go on to say in John chapter 15, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. You can't love one another if you're not with one another. You have to be part of his community and committed to it. And you cannot follow Jesus as a lone ranger. You have to follow the leaders that Jesus has appointed. And this is where a lot of people fall into trouble. I mean, come on. We've all known really terrible leaders who called themselves Christians. Some of them were Christians and some of whom weren't. And let's face it, I've made a lot of mistakes over my life. No, and if you trust in me, I'm going to let you down. So how can we say this is a caveat? Because there's no such thing as, as just saying, well, you know, I just follow Jesus. The Corinthians got into that. You know, some people say, well, I'm going after Paul. And some people say, well, I'm going to follow Peter. And then the other people say, well, no, I follow Christ. You know, I'm, I'm better than you guys. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. So the best thing we can remember is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. Basically, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I learned this very clearly a few weeks ago when we had Anna Grant's funeral and we had to drive from the church to the graveside for the interment. And so you had the hearse up front and then you had uh, another car with her son in it. And then we had our car. Now the problem is that sometimes you get a little bit of distance, right? And there were times when I couldn't quite see the hearse anymore up at the very front. So I had in those moments to trust that the car between me and the hearse was going in the right direction. 
which easily could not have been the right direction. I'm not saying we're going to follow a dead person here, by the way. Don't push the analogy too far because Jesus is alive. But sometimes you don't see Jesus in your life. Sometimes you don't feel like he's leading you. Sometimes you feel separated from him. In those instances, especially, you need to know that there's a leader who's following Jesus, who will say to you, follow me as I follow Christ. Don't follow me if I'm not following Jesus, but if I am following Jesus, follow me. And that's what the Lord would say to us. So we have to believe in Jesus. And we have to answer that question, who do you follow? With the answer, I follow Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by him. I know his claims raise all kinds of questions. I understand that. We don't always see how God's working. We don't always see what God is doing in the world. So sometimes the claims of Christ raise a lot of questions in our hearts and our minds. So why do you follow? You follow him because he died and rose from the dead just like he said he would. You follow because he backed up every single one of his claims in the Gospel of John with a sign, an indicator. This is how you follow. And you notice how signs are what we follow on the motorway. And these signs of Jesus are what we can follow to know that we're going in the right direction, to follow him. Jesus' claim in this passage is unmistakable and unqualifiable. Although there's a lot of people who try to undermine it. And there are a lot of plausible arguments out there that frankly are not worth the paper they're printed on if they're really examined. Don't follow those. There's no other way to interpret what Jesus said in this passage without distorting the clear meaning in the Greek. And the stunning thing about this claim is that it is both inclusive and exclusive. Jesus says, it's exclusive in that Jesus says, hey, no one comes to the Father except through me. You can't, it's not Buddha, it's not Muhammad, it's not Krishna, it's not Dawkins, it's me, Jesus says. Unmistakable, highly exclusive. But it's inclusive in that it's open to everybody. It's not just for the Jews, it's for the Gentiles as well. It's not just for light-skinned people, it's for dark-skinned people. It's not just for short people, it's for tall people. Thank God. It's for everybody who will turn to Jesus and follow him. There really is no other way outside of Jesus, no other truth, no other life. But we can follow him. And his spirit is here reaching out to us. And God's grace is lavished on us 
so we can turn to Jesus and follow him. Who do you follow? I pray that it's Jesus. And if it's not, right now, say, Jesus, I am going to follow you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for being honest with us. Thank you for not talking mystically. Thank you for not pulling your punches. Thank you for not speaking in lots of riddles. Because just like the disciples, even when you're speaking plainly, sometimes, Lord, we struggle to understand. Thank you that you do speak plainly to us. And thank you that you prove what you say by what you do. And Lord, I believe you are the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except by you. I believe. And I will follow. And this church will follow. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us. And thank you for your presence here with us. We love you and praise you. Amen. Amen.